This is uh, Wednesday, March 1st, and we are going to be continuing in Deuteronomy. Actually, didn't even read much of Deuteronomy last week. Didn't read anything out of Deuteronomy, I don't think. But we did read out of Philippians. So we'll start with Philippians chapter 3 and kind of go over those first three verses just a little bit before we jump back to Deuteronomy. And we're in chapter 10 in Deuteronomy. But uh, I just want to share something with you real quick. Uh, Y'all all know that I went down to Lynchburg to Liberty University for the state uh, track meet, the indoor track meet. So when I left there, something very, very significant, backing up a little bit, has happened in Lynchburg. They opened their very own crumble cookie. Crumble cookie. It's called crumble cookie. Isn't that significant? <sighs> Overpriced cookies. And people actually go in there and buy them. Now, if you... No. That's the thing. It's, they're not even crumbled up. They're whole cookies. But it's called crumble. So this, they're gourmet cookies. So my daughter, my youngest daughter, has been waiting, checking online, and waiting for this store to open up in Lynchburg. And it just so happened that they opened up a couple weeks before State, which is at Liberty University, so it's all working out for her. And she gets me to go down there to pick up six cookies that are in a box, a really, really big box. They're huge. So that was a $26 stop to get six cookies. But now y'all have, yeah, I won't do that again. You've heard me talk about uh, a lot of guys that I've met through the jail ministry, right? And y'all all all know Hildred was, was from the jail. And when Hildred was here a few years ago, he, came, he got back here to this church. You remember me and him. We, we went down to uh, Lynchburg. So the guy that we went to see was Tim Morgan. Now, Tim, when I walked into Crumble Cookie, Tim is standing there, and he's got this purplish shirt on, he's got this coach's hat, and I walk in, and he's with this little tiny fella, probably five or six years old. Tim coaches a travel football team. And they're the little, little guys, four, five, and six-year-olds. And they went all the way to the state championship game, got beaten state uh, this past year. So I know he lives in Lynchburg, but he's on the other side of Lynchburg. And, to, and I think about him when I go to Lynchburg. Every time I go to Lynchburg, I think about him. So I pull in, and the whole time going to Crumble, I'm like, why am I doing this? And I, I know why I'm doing it. I love my daughter. I'm going over here fighting traffic. And I walk into the building, and there's Tim standing there. And he's on the phone, and he looks up. His eyes see me, and it, you see, his eyes get real big. And he went, I'll call you right back. He hung up the phone. He come running over there, hugging me and everything. And so we're talking. People coming in behind me going, you know, thinking that I'm getting ready to order. And I'm like, no, I'm just over here running my mouth. Uh, y'all go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we, you know, uh, 
Tim is very involved in his church, very involved in his family, and he is just so excited about life and what God has done for him. And he just talks about it like it's, you know, he's not bashful about it at all. He wants everybody to know. So it was really good running into him. And you know, sometimes you think, God, made, God set that up. And you want to take advantage of those situations that God set, sets up for you. So maybe I need to invite him down to do some preaching for us. So he's, 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 he is, actually he needs to play music for us and do a little preaching for us. That would be great if he could do that. So, but, you know, we, Hildur and I went down there and went to a church service with him. And it's just, it's an all-black church. I felt a little bit out of place to start with, but then I felt right at home. And then we went back down there for that big singing that they did. And Tim is a very good keyboard player. He sings good. Um, not as good as Hildred, but he does sing good. But he loves the Lord, and he's on his way to being an ordained minister, which uh, he's taking it slow and doing it the right way. So probably within a year, he'll be an ordained minister. There's already at least two churches in the Lynchburg area that uh, want him. Whenever he's ready, they want to hire him to be pastor or at least associate pastor, whatever. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. And, um, you know, you just never know who you're going to meet in life and what kind of impact that they will have. I just know that Tim heard a lot of things in my Bible study that he had not heard before that really made him want to get into the Word. And I just, you know... Maybe I made it made a little bit of an impact in his life. You, you, you know, you go, to, you go to do something like that, and you hope you're making a difference. So the way I look at it, if you're reading the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, something good is going to come out of it. It's just going to. Because God said that His Word will not return to Him void. When he sends his word out, and he uses us to get his word out to people, whether we take Bibles to people, and they read it for, read it for themselves, or we talk about the Bible in our everyday life, or we're preaching a message, or we're teaching a Bible study, or Sunday school, whatever. It does make a difference. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for... This time that we have, that we can come together at this church building to study your word. Father, to just think about the things that you've done for us, the, those divine appointments that you have set up. Father, we thank you for those. We thank you for the opportunities that um, you've given me in the past for going to the jail and ministering there. Father, I thank you for um, the class that we had last night and the good attendance that we had at the jail. And Father, that the word that was taught and the people who um, just need to know and have confidence in your word. Father, I pray for all of those guys. And Father, I pray for the people who are here um, and those people who are out that we are going to minister to very soon. 
that, Father, that the Holy Spirit is touching their hearts and, and prepping that ground, uh, cultivating that ground so that when we are able to sow the seed into their lives, it will be on good ground and it will take root. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. In uh, Philippians, yes, go ahead. This would be a good time for you to read because you've got the mic, Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, 11. We were talking about Isaiah 53 last night at the jail. But 55, that's um, our thoughts are not like his thoughts. 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Yep, very good. Very good. Thank you for that. All right, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, I read three verses at the end of last Wednesday, and I just want to go over it real quick before we go back to Deuteronomy. So, it says, now, notice that Philippians is four chapters, right? Four chapters. This is the very beginning of chapter 3. Halfway through it, Paul says, finally, my brethren. He's only halfway done. You know, Paul... Uh, Cameron and I were talking about that last night when we got out of, out of the uh, jail Bible study and we were out in the parking lot just so thankful that we were free and we can leave that place. And we were talking about... He, he, Cameron has been hired you know, as a preacher at a church. I'm assuming it's up in the Radford area where he lives. And they've been without a pastor for a couple of years. And, and they're a very conservative church, and they have brought him on to be their pastor, and this coming Sunday is his very first Sunday with them as being their new pastor. We were talking about, um, you know, preaching and how long, how long do you preach and this, that, and the other, and we were talking about Paul and how Paul was preaching, and it was about the midnight hour, and he was preaching and preaching, and that dude on the third level fell out the window. It made mention of the lights burning. I just know, I just remember that being part of the story that the lights were burning. So I'm thinking maybe it was carbon monoxide poisoning or something. Not that Paul put him to sleep. Maybe it was a combination of the two. But he fell out the window and hit the ground and he died. So. They all went down there, prayed over him, brought him back to life, and the guy came back in, and Paul continued to preach until the morning. That's a long time. And now he's halfway through Philippians, and he says, Finally, my brethren. You think he's about ready to just wrap it up, but he's only halfway done. Rejoice in the Lord. Remember that Paul is locked up in jail when he's writing this. And he's rejoicing in the Lord. You know, sometimes we have bad 
times in our lives, but is it as bad as being falsely accused and locked up in prison, beaten, legs locked up in stocks, and you're, you're praising the Lord? I mean, he was in Philippi when all that happened to him. So is, is this letter really... If you think about it, the Philippian jailer, think about the Philippian jailer, the one who was at guard over him, him and Silas. It was Paul and Silas, right? Sitting in there and being locked up. I believe that's, I believe that's Acts 16. They were, that's, that's what you get out of that story. They have been beaten, falsely accused, and they're locked in stocks. They're in the inner part of the prison, and they're singing praises to the Lord. So when you see him say, rejoice in the Lord, he has, if he can say it, we ought to be rejoicing, and no matter what we're going through, we should rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is, it is safe. So we talked a little bit last week about what this means is, you will see Paul write, and he reminds you over and over again throughout his letters, he says the same thing over and over again. It's all about Jesus and Jesus crucified, buried, and resurrected. That's what you need to know. And we as humans, we know our... ABCs. Sometimes we have to sing them to get them all, to get all the way there, through. But it's because of repetition when we were really little. We know, I know, multiplication tables really, really, really good. Because I struggled with school when I was little. And my mom got these little cards. And they had the problem on the front, the answer was on the back. And we sat there at home, and we went through those things over and over and over again so that in fourth grade, Mrs. McDaniel was so proud of me because we had these little, uh, she had these little pieces of paper that were, looked like a bookmark almost, and she had all the problems on the left side. It was, it was I can't remember how many was on there, like maybe 25 of them. And we all had to keep them down. And everybody got theirs on, the ta on their desk. And then when she said go, we turned them over and we started answering them. And I remember Jody being all the way on the other side of the room and me, way over here, and we would race. He, he almost always beat me, but he always had at least one wrong. And I never had one wrong. I always got 100 on it. And it's because of repetition. I mean, I struggled in school all through elementary. It was bad. But because of that teaching and that repetition and all that and getting that in my brain, I was asked by the teacher to help another student who was really struggling in that. And she goes, whatever you and your mom do, can you do that with uh, someone so 
So I brought those cards to school, and we sat in the back of the classroom, and, and I did the same thing that my mom taught me to do and got her learning better. So we, should be, we, we shouldn't be a people who say, uh, Philippians, yeah, I read that once. Yeah, I've read the Bible. I've, I've, read, I've read it. But how long ago has it been since you read something in the Bible? And have you read it over and over again to the point where it's part of you? We learn by repetition. We need to be in the Word and read it and read it again. And then we're just getting warmed up and read it again. We should love the Word of God. And then he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. None whatsoever. We do not have any confidence in the flesh, but we do have confidence in what Jesus Christ has done for us and he has sent the Spirit and the Spirit is indwelling inside of us and even though the Spirit's inside of us we still could not walk after the Spirit and we're instructed in the Word of God to not only be led by the Spirit but also walk after the Spirit. That's probably Romans 8. Probably. So Let's uh, go to Deuteronomy now. But just notice, I just thought that was kind of funny. Finally, my brethren. And there's, you got a whole another half of the whole book of Philippians left to go. Sounds just like Paul. Just like, uh, I think it was John Maxwell finishing up one of his uh, speaking engagements, and he said, all right, wrapping things up, I got one closing point. And then he says, of course, this point takes about 30 minutes, and he's already been going for an hour. <clears throat> okay, so we, I think we got down to around 5, verse 5 in chapter 10 uh, a couple weeks ago. So we're going to pick up with 6. And remember, it's repetition. You've heard all this before. Moses is telling these people stuff that they should already know. And the children of Israel took their journey from Beeroth of the children of Jaakon to Masirah. There Aaron died, and there he was buried. And Eliezer, his son, ministered in the priest's office in his stead. From thence they journeyed unto Gudgodah, and from Gudgodah to Jotbath, a land of rivers of waters. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. Now, so with, with Levi not having an inheritance, that's where the, uh, 
the tithe came in with the 12 tribes, the other tribes were called, they inherited land and were able to produce. That was key. You got to have land. And you started to either raise crops or raise your herds, but the Levites didn't have any land given to them. And they were to be full-time ministers in the tabernacle, later in the temple, and the other tribes were to take 10% of what they produced, whatever the Lord blessed them with, and to give to the Levites so that they could carry on the, the, uh, um, you know, the works of the Lord. 10. And I stayed in the mount according to the first time, forty days and forty nights, and the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also, and the Lord would not destroy thee. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now Israel, what doeth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear? Now listen, listen to this. This is a really significant portion of this uh, part of Scripture. So what does he require? All right. Arise, take thy journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. All right, here's 12 again. And now, Israel, what doeth the Lord thy God require of thee? What do you think the Lord requires of you? Think about that. You know, we're told salvation is a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't do works for it. But look at what he's requiring of them. Do we have things the Lord requires of us? So we need to, we need to think about this. And it says, but to fear the Lord. We're, we're, that's, that fear that you see in the King James Bible, that is a very healthy respect for God because He is all-powerful and all the things that He has created and we should be... It, you know, it's not fear Him as scared, but it's, the word fear means you have a rever reverential fear of Him, a respect. So, but to fear the Lord thy God, so that's one thing that we should do. We should fear the Lord. To walk in all His ways. Walking, uh, does it, it doesn't say climb a mountain in all His ways. It just says walk in all His ways. And to love Him, is it hard? Do you put forth effort to actually love somebody? You don't have to, it's not a work, it's, it's an emotion, and just notice the wording is what I'm trying to get at. Fear, walk, love, that's three, and to serve the Lord with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Serve, we should serve Him. We, we have been bought with a price. And we should want to serve the Lord any way we can. 
We've been given gifts, and we should want to serve in those gifts. That's four. And then keep. To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. His commandments are for our good. Now we, we can... It says to keep. It doesn't say do. It doesn't say work at this. I, all the words are important. And you remember how you're instructed to put off the old man and to put on the new man in the New Testament? It's like taking off a shirt and throwing it aside. and the, Taking the dirty shirt off throwing it aside, and then picking up a clean shirt and putting it on. That's not a work. You're just putting something off and then putting something on. Yielding. We're told to yield. That's easy. That's a very easy thing to do. The words are critical in the Bible. Every word means something and it was picked for a reason. So what does keep mean? If you look at the Ten Commandments, which we just went over not that long ago, it's right here in Deuteronomy, you see, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I mean, it's over and over and over again throughout all of the Ten Commandments, except a couple, like honor your mother and your father and uh, the Sabbath. All right? In one, it says, keep the Sabbath. In the other, it's, I think it's in Exodus, says, um, remember the Sabbath. So what does it mean to keep? Hmm? What's that? Treasure it. Okay. So you, if you, somebody gives you something that has been in the family for a long time, we might call it a keepsake. You, you, and it might not be worth much to anybody else, but because of the history of it, somebody gives it to you, you will treasure it. You're going to keep it and treasure it. We're supposed to keep the Word, keep His commandments, treasure them, not because we have to, not because maybe uh, if, we, if we keep more, we'll, we'll, we'll get more, more treasures in heaven and all that. We, just, we should do it out of love because we love God because of what He's done for us. So, the very first time the word keep is in the Bible, you know where that would be? Guess Genesis. That's a, you know, the first time that a word was used in the Bible, if you don't know, just say Genesis. But where in Genesis? Chapter... Very close. She said three. Lois said three. She's really, really close. It's chapter two. Chapter two, I believe it's 15. Chapter uh, two, verse 15. All right, Adam was placed in the garden to dress it and to keep it. So, to dress it, what does that mean? Basically, you know, 
till the perfect soil that was there. Because you know there was, there was nothing bad there. I mean, it was perfect. Everything was good. So to dress it would just be to do the things. Why did God put him there to do those things? Because we know that idleness is bad. To sit around and do absolutely nothing is really, really bad. So we're, we are to serve the Lord and to, to do things for Him. But when He was placed in the garden, God had already got every, everything was done. And He was made on day six, Adam was, He was made, created and made on day six. All of the other stuff was done. God was resting on the very first day that Adam had a full day. And God put him in this perfect garden to dress it and to keep it. So what's another word? What's something else keep would mean? So he, obviously, yeah, treasure I think is a great word, but there's other things you can think of to keep it. Yeah, just to take care of it. Yeah, exactly. So a housekeeper, if you are a full-time housekeeper, your job wouldn't be that hard compared to you're gone, you leave for a week and the husband and the kids are just wrecking everything and you come back, now you have a major chore to get it back in order so that you can be a housekeeper again. If uh, <clears throat> a groundskeeper, so, so I'm over around here. If I stay on it, Every single week, maybe even get her early one week, because it's growing so fast, it makes it way easier than to not be here, put it off, put it off, and then I... Have you ever seen any grass clippings laying anywhere after I mow? You may have never even thought about it, never even noticed, but have you ever seen any grass clippings out here? Probably not, because I cannot stand that. And what happens is... If you have, uh, if you cut it when it's wet or if it's gotten too tall and it's laying there, it mats down and it ends up killing places in the, in the grass. Then you have these little bare spots down in there and then it gets really dry, then you mow, dust is everywhere. So if you, if you do the things you're supposed to do, everything else, it, it, it's not work. You'll make work if you don't do it the right way. That's what we're, we're being told to do. We're being told to keep. So keeping the garden is you're there every day and one little weed pops up and you see it and you go over there and it just pops right out because it hadn't had time to root because you're keeping it. You're taking care of it. You're watching it. All the work's really been done and you're there keeping it. That's the way we're supposed to feel about our Christian walk. We're supposed to be that way. But what we do is we neglect it. And then when we finally wake up and get to you know what? I haven't been in the Word. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Um, I'm lacking. Uh, and then you finally come back to it. It might be a mess. There might be a big mess you've got to deal with. We're supposed to be keeping the commandments, His Word, we should be treasuring it and taking care of it as we go along.
All right, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. He cares about it. That's why he's given us this instruction book. Some people will say Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. You ever heard that? Basic instructions before leaving earth. All right, 14. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, here's, here's the big verse that I've been talking about throughout from the very beginning. And when we, we were in Colossians talking about the circumcision in Colossians, we went back to here. Now this is Old Testament. It says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. So here we get a, from way back then, we get what circumcision to them was a type and picture of. The real circumcision that was going to be in the New Testament was cutting away of this flesh that gets in the way of us producing good, godly fruit with our God. So if you remember the story of Abraham, he, God waited till even he could not use the Hagar method to, get up to bring forth a child. They tried that before, and now God waits to where even that wouldn't work without me going into detail. So God met with him, and he went, had made a covenant with him, and Abraham went through circumcision. God circumcised him. And he said, one year from now, your promised child will be born. Sarah had never had a baby. She was way too old to have a baby, even if she had, was able in, when she was younger. So she, her body was as good as dead as far as producing fruit. Now Abraham has gotten to the point where he's no longer physically able. And now they, they so we, as people who are believers, we need to see ourselves as not being able to produce anything good for God. Right? And when we finally get to that point where we're like Abraham and Sarah and say, God, you have to do it because I am completely unable to do anything. Then he can work with you. Right? Then he can do something. So, Abraham was circumcised. It would take uh, a man's three months to heal from that operation if he had that operation today. Then there's nine months of pregnancy. 
That equals 9 plus 3, 12 months. Wow. So one year later, Isaac is born, the son of promise. <clears throat> so it's a type and picture of, and this in Deuteronomy is, uh, you read that and you think that's in the, in the New Testament, that, that the verse right there, but no, it's way back here in Deuteronomy. 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible. Now, again, King James, it says terrible. We have a different meaning for the word today. It doesn't mean God's terrible, the way we think of terrible. But uh, powerful, scary, I mean, able to do amazing things, can crush the enemy before you ever show up to the battle. I mean, he is amazing. Okay, so terrible. With re which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doeth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons. So that's what? Seventy, three, threescore, so that's twenty, 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 and then ten. They went down with just seventy? And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Now what that means is you just can't count them all. You just, it's, so, it's not given an exact number. It's just saying there are so many. Good luck trying to count them all. That's the end of chapter 10. Pretty cool. I like it. But I'm only halfway done. Finally, brethren, here's my closing point. Now nah, we're done. I'm just messing with you. All right, we are done. So let's pray. Uh, actually, before we pray, do you have any questions? I have something I was just thinking about. Okay? You were talking about the New Testament circumcision stresses that it's the cutting away of the flesh that prevents you from producing godly fruit. fruit. For God. Yeah. The physical, the Israelite covenant was the cutting away of the flesh of the man, mm -hmm. of the part of the man that was for producing. Right. And so that's the, exactly. the picture. Yep. Exactly. Anybody else? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, as we study your word, we pray that we will have confidence that you will show us the meaning of your word. That, Father, our, our eyes will be opened. We will see things that we may not have seen before. And, Father, as you give us opportunity 
that we would remember those things that we've learned in your word. Things that we've learned in Sunday school, Bible studies, church services, and our personal reading that will help us to introduce you to those who need to know you. Father, we ask that you would be with the people that are in this community, that you would protect them, and that they would look this direction and see light and be drawn to this church house. And Father, help us to be prepared to minister to those people who come. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.